Hello and welcome to This Is Ibrox, the Rangers podcast. I'm Martin Douglas and joining me tonight we have the familiar faces of Willie Irwin and Thomas McIntyre. Gentlemen, how are we? All good, mate. Yeah, good evening, guys. And of course, as ever, the podcast is available to view on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash This Is Ibrox. Also available to view on the website at thisisibrox.co.uk. And a multitude of podcast platforms, Willie Irwin, isn't it? Everything you said sounds good to me, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well batted back, Willie, well batted back. It's yeah. available on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Podcast Addict, and of course we're available. If you could leave us a wee five-star review, it would be very much appreciated. So, gentlemen, this week we're going to help go over the Red Imps game, the Hibs game, and we're going to preview the Motherwell game. So, we'll start with the Red Imps, Thomas, and I must admit, I was a wee tiny bit nervous before it. I was thinking it's maybe a wee chance of a slip-up, you know, one-leg European qualifier. Certain other Scottish teams have struggled when they've went away, but with a kind of rotated team, we seem to cope quite comfortably. Yeah, we did. I mean, I I wasn't as uh, as nervous as, as evidently you. I mean, I thought we were we were always going to win it, you know, fairly comfortably, um, and that's what it that's what it turned out to be. You know, decent goals from um, you know I think it was Tav, Goldson, Morelos got the two, and then in Defoe. between Morelos's two, there's Defoe's one as well. So it was pretty it was pretty open and shut. Exactly what you expect. You know, turn up. Um, Borset probably never really get out of second gear. No scares really from Red Imps. So I was convinced that they were going to get. Uh, I kind of I think I said last week they were going to get one of those bobbly ones that um, that breaks into the box and somebody sticks it in the bottom of the net and they would have broken the the clean sheet record. I'd have much rather they'd have broken it by than anybody else. But I'm sure we'll touch on that in a moment. Um, yeah, it's by and large everything played out the way we expect it. Easy, easy coast into a much tougher game against Villain Twee. Unfortunately, however, that pitch injury to, to Kmart Roof, which is the only real talking point for me because it's the only thing that mattered. It's not like you to mention plastic pitches and injuries. It's you know, I'm like... yeah. I'm obsessed uh, by it. You know, it's uh, plastic pitches, elite performance athletes for football should not be on the same card. It's okay for training, you know. Um, Ocken Harry has a couple of um, 5G pitches. I played on 5G myself, uh, but they shouldn't be at the elite level for football teams. And you know we can have that wider conversation about uh, the SPFL and all that type of stuff. But this is European competition as well. Come on, just it's just not on. And I am convinced, and I know that the statistical analysis is, let's say, not conclusive. But I am convinced from the outside with my lack of a um, doctor's degree um, that they contribute to injuries. I, I, I really am. I just I don't think any elite players like them either. They shouldn't be part of the European game. They shouldn't be part of the Scottish game. But here we are. 
Well, Willie, as Tommy mentions there, Kmar Roof obviously went off injured. Obviously didn't appear in the Hibs game. I think Rangers are waiting on scans to come back. But that's a few wee niggles that, that Roof's had now. And obviously, if you, anybody watched the Leeds documentary, he spent a bit of time out with injuries in as well. Is that a concern for you going forward, considering we spent a little bit of money on him in the grand scale of things, but it's still a, a lot of money, as Tommy would say, for Scottish football? <laughs> Yeah, look, I think that was probably the biggest concern for the outset. I don't think there was any doubt in the guy's ability, but I think that was a concern. Um, certainly when we were linked to him, maybe like a couple of months before, when you started doing a bit of looking on the internet and you seen the kind of track record of injuries, then he was obviously moved to Anderlecht and picked up another injury there. He hadn't played in whatever that was, like six months until he joined us. It is a worry because... He was looking good. He was looking as though he was getting sharp. He'd obviously scored a couple of goals. He was involved in a lot of good play. And to lose him in a game like that, which probably wasn't really that important in terms of the overall stature of the game compared to what like Cabs is, what Willem Tway is, Mullerwo, etc. I can understand some people being slightly annoyed at the manager for playing him, but it's a difficult one because you're trying to give the guy minutes a bit like you try to do with other players. So, I mean, as it's a fine line in football, hopefully it's nothing serious. Hopefully we can get them back out there. And um, it's another chance for somebody like Steady Kitten or of the four to come in and take their opportunity when it comes. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly disappointing to potentially lose them for a few games at this quite busy point of the season. Well, hindsight is twenty twenty, as you say, Tommy. So... Is it easy enough to turn around and say now, well, the manager should maybe have started with Alfie or maybe started with Defoe and left Roof on the bench? Or did maybe the fact that Morelos picked up that horrific injury in the previous game maybe make up the manager's mind to play Roof? Possibly. All those per- permutations in there. Also as well, it's a relatively, should have been a relatively comfortable game, which it, which it was in terms of the actual game. You know, Kemar uh, Roof still trying to get up to, up to speed. So more minutes in his legs, you know, maybe try and get a couple of goals, for example. Yeah, hindsight is twenty twenty. I would have said if any player's got a history of those types of injuries, or a history of injuries, full stop, and you know you're really going to be relying on him, I, I wouldn't risk him, uh, especially when you had a couple of other options. Because I started on the bench, for example. And that's not to blame the management team because we went back and forward on this last week as well when we were talking about you could rotate, you could drop people or do you start with your strongest team, mm-hmm. you get the game in the bag uh, and then you, you rotate, which makes absolute sense as well because what you're saying is win the tie, let's not be in a position where it's the last 20 minutes and you've, it's nil-nil because you've not been able to get something and then you're having to keep everybody on or it all gets a bit nervous and anybody can scrabble a goal against any team. So, yeah, it's hard to criticise. In fact, well, it's not hard to criticise. There should be no criticism <laughs> of the management team on the basis that they tried to go with their strongest team with a couple of wee tweaks. Just unfortunate for Kmar Roof to reference Williams' point as well. That that was the concern with Roof. You know he's a good player. You know, he'll find the back of the net. His link-up plays brilliant. He's intelligent round about the box and you know, outside it as well. But he's got a bit of a patchy recent injury history and we just hope that he, he bounces back really quickly. I don't think it particularly helped with 
Um, Stephen Gerrard, I think, at the press conference before the Hibs game, saying, well, he's, he's available. Mm-hmm. And then that little bit of confusion about, oh, no, it turns out he actually has to go for a scan because something else came up. That happens, right? Again, I'm not criticising, but, you know, in terms of mass media and people focusing on these types of things, it's not particularly helpful. Uh, but, yeah, that, that, that's it. The bookend is, let's, let's just really hope that Kmar Roof comes back quickly and for the want of a sharper answer and how that impacts what may or may not happen with Alfredo Morelos going out the door. Well, is that a concern going forward then, Wally? Because we've been speaking for a while now about how, you know, we've got Roof and Nitin and we've got the four needs be but also Morelos is there, but we're talking about letting Morelos go. So is that a concern maybe going forward that, you know, if we sell Morelos, Roof picks up an injury, we're relying on Itten and Defoe? It's a tough one because you don't really know. We've not really seen enough Itten, although incredibly on Twitter it seems like Itten's been written off after two games, which... I know. I, I Look, see, Neil, we're talking about a guy who's 23... It's the first time he's probably left his home country. He's been here a matter of weeks. He's a full international. His record in the last kind of two to three seasons is pretty good. For people to write this guy off is crazy. But that's just social media for you. I actually thought he played reasonably well against the Imps. And it was just one of those ones that, like, sort of, Defoe comes on and gets his goal. Obviously, Morelos gets a double. That could have easily been it, and it got one or two of those goals. And it is, it's just, it's, sometimes you just need a bit of luck. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's one of those ones where the ball comes in and it hits them accidentally and it ends up in the back of the net. That guy probably just needs to be a bit of a confidence boost. You know, he's come to a new club. He's probably playing in a new system. He's getting used to how each player plays. I mean, we've been very lucky. Like, Alfie knows how like Tav plays, and he knows how Barisic plays. So, like, it's easy to make the right runs at the right time, and Defoe's been here for, like, a year. So he knows how the balls are coming into him, when to go, when to stop, when to turn in, when to go wide, when to drop off. Itton's not had that yet. So how can we write a guy off after two games? I mean, from what I've seen of the stuff online on him, from what I've seen in his game, I think you'll link up the play well. I think, like most strikers, once he gets a goal, he'll be fine. So, yeah, I mean, I would be fine, but I would imagine they would use some of the money from Alfie to maybe get one or two other players in. The manager is obviously can openly admitted that. So, I don't... If Alfie goes and we add another wide player and another midfield player, and we've still got Itton, we've still got Roof, we've still got Defoe, we've still got Hadji, Kent, etc. There's still enough goals in that team to win games of football. We'll see Tommy Wally, mate. Sorry, Martin. My, my apologies there, Martin. Just, uh, sorry to interrupt, but just to add to, to what William was saying, because I think he's absolutely spot on there. But just, you know, just a couple of wee points, you know. I, I'm, I'm same as you, William, I think, and maybe the same as you, Martin. I shook my head in disbelief um, in some of the reactions to, to everything uh, on Twitter uh, after after the game and stuff. And some of the, the, the um, positions taken about Cedric Hinton are just... I think I saw somebody say that he's the new Siebel. Mm. which, you know, phone goes in the bin at that point, uh, essentially. You know, other people's phones go in the bin as well uh, at that point. But this is a guy who scored, like, as William references, he's 23. He scored goals at, bear with me, I'm going to try to do this off the top of my head, Luzerne, Basel, um, 
St. Gallen under 18, Switzerland under 18, under 19, under 20, and full national squad. I think the only place he never scored goals was the Swiss under 21 team, where he made you know five, six, seven appearances or something like that. He's got three goals in two games for the full cap Switzerland team. But yeah, but Tommy, that was by mistake though. Uh, exactly, they were all hitting <clears throat> off his shins and all that. Um, but because he's not, you know, hit the ground running and banged in a barrel load, and he's looked a wee bit clunky sometimes, right? But again, he's getting up to speed with the, the style of play and stuff. And he's not been hailed as a world beater. I think there's talent in the boy, and he's young. And if we're being uber critical to all of those people that take that position, well, not critical, but you know, playing devil's advocate, Kmart Roof has not ripped it up either. Right, he's been decent, right, and he's got a couple of goals. That's probably the main difference. You know, there's a good player in Roof because you've seen him at uh, Leeds and all that as well. So he gets a bit more good grace, and he's got those initial goals, which means he gets a bit of good grace. He's played more minutes than Cedric Itton as well, and now he's potentially got an injury, so Cedric Itton might come more into the picture. But let's not start writing off players after a handful of minutes. Um, I thought he was, you know maybe a wee bit hard done by on Sunday, coming off the bench for something like five minutes or whatever, but you need to take your chances in the Rangers jersey, don't you? But I, And that's not being critical of Kmart Roof either, but Roof was getting up to speed as well. It mm-hmm. seems to be that you're either amazing Kmart Roof or you're terrible Cedric Itton. I think there's room for both of them, and evidently the management team feel that as well. Cedric Itton will absolutely come good and score goals for Rangers, and he'll offer something that Jermaine Defoe, Kmart Roof, Greg Stewart, and Alfredo Morelos don't, and that's why he's part of the squad. There we go. Well, look, I was going to come on to uh, the William, is it William Tway? Is that how you say it? I don't know how to pronounce that name right, but just before I do, I'm going to bring it back to something that you both mentioned there, and it's something that I've noticed a lot more as well, especially after, obviously, the Livingston draw, which, don't get me wrong, I maybe overreacted to slightly, and obviously we'll come on to talk about the Hibs game in a minute. But social media right now, from a, a Rangers point of view, Tommy, it's going over the top with everything. And, by the way, I, should also, I also have to just say, when I say that, I mean the stuff that I'm seeing on social media. Everywhere I look on social media, it's just negative, negative, negative. And I don't know if it's just the case of, for what's on stake for some fans this season, i.e. 10 in a row or whatever, or just the fact that we're that desperate to win an other trophy. But it just seems to me that when there's a slip-up or a player has a bad performance or somebody's just came into the squad and hasn't scored 10 goals in two games, there just seems to be this complete overreaction from a maybe a small or medium or large set Arranger supporters. Yeah, so I'm probably well, on dangerous ground here, right? Because mm. um, well, I don't particularly, you know, I'm, I think I'm on Twitter, um, and that's pretty much it. And I don't particularly chase followers or anything like that. I couldn't really give a monkey's um, for that type of thing. So if I if I offend the Twitterati, then well, fair play. Um, really couldn't give a monkey's on that on, on that slate, as, as you, you gentlemen well know. But, yeah, I mean, by and large, Twitter's a pretty toxic place anyway, right? So that's mm-hmm. a social you know, problem there, right? Or, or social problem, I should say. And people are just too quick to be acting. By and large, people like to push things out really quickly. And I include some of the fa- you know, fan sites and all that kind of stuff as well. And there's maybe a lack of nuance. 
And, you know, the actual platform itself doesn't help because you've only got however many characters it is and it's really hard to get good grace and goodwill across with that and have a good conversation. By and large, most people rub along quite nicely in the Rangers support and that's fine. But yeah, there does seem to be a, I think social media by and large drives probably two things. This is why you're on your question actually, but it's a more interesting question to me if I just pair off slightly to the side, uh, which is social media drives two sort of behaviours, which is I need to react in extremes, which is he's the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> really, is that your nuanced? Is that your nuanced opinion that he's the worst thing you've ever seen, or the worst player you've ever seen? Right? Anybody in the modern era who turns around and says something like Stephen Davis is the worst midfielder they've ever seen after a poor performance, or Connor Goldson is the worst defender they've ever seen, or James Tavernier is the worst defender, or you know, whatever. Take a step back. Kevin Kyle <laughs> in black. Emerson, Krabari, you know, these types of people just calm down and before you hit send on your tweet, just give yourself and the rest of us a little bit of a break. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say people don't, you know, don't have legitimate opinions. I'm all for that, right? And I'm happy to converse with anybody on Twitter if they send me a DM or talk to me or anything like that. I'm happy with that. But the second thing that it also drives is people love an echo chamber. Yeah. You know, so they just gravitate to, oh no, they're right, and they read cabal of people are right, and there's no, oh right, okay, I see your opinion, it differs from mine, but it's fairly legitimate, maybe he had a stinker, maybe he didn't, maybe I don't like that particular player. No, it just becomes a, you don't agree with me, you're not staunch, and I hate that bloody Ah, no, yeah. Staunch nonsense, right? You're not staunch, you're not a real Rangers fan, you should be hounded. People... Grown adults should get a grip of themselves when it comes to reacting like that type of thing. I, you know, not jumping onto the game already, right? But Sunday, by and large, had a quick look as soon as the final whistle went and then just put the phone down. I think I converse with you guys on the WhatsApp. But by and large, don't have, I just don't have time for it. Mm-hmm. People should just remember that we're all actually supporting the same club, the mm-hmm. same club. And we're all looking for the same thing, which is Rangers winning, and we want our players to, to perform. Is it really necessary to then get into bare-knuckle tweeting, <laughs> for want of a better way of putting it, against each other? And the book into that, because people love that social media angle. Other people from outside of our club watching that and laughing. Yeah. Reading yeah. it, and we're all on the same side here. Jeez, there's my frustration out of the way for for today. That's been building up since Sunday. <laughs> well, Wally, obviously you've got quite a a larger social media following than me or Tommy because I think me and Tommy combines about two. Um, and, and both of them are yours. <laughs> yeah. But obviously you'll see far more reaction on social media through obviously your Rangers Youth Updates and um, page and stuff like that. Have you noticed more of a, I don't know if aggressive is the right word, but more of a kind of reactive tone for Rangers fans, especially this season? Yeah, look, when, yeah, I mean, I, I was like used guys, like when I first started off into it, I, I wasn't looking for followers or anything. Um, I used to do like the updates through my own page. So more and more people started following my page, but it was mainly just for like youth stuff. Mm-hmm. But then it was getting to the point where I was getting like 
so many messages from people that I couldn't actually deal with. And at the end of the day, I was working, you know. <laughs> so between the working, between going to the games, I think a lot of people thought I was ignoring them to like direct messages and stuff like that. So that was why I split the two pages because it made more sense for me. But in terms of like the overall amount of people and, and the reaction, I think the reaction would have been the same as it would have been 20 years ago if we drew a game under, say, like Walter Smith or Dick Advocate. And it's it's probably just lucky that we didn't have social media back then. Mm. You know, because even when you were winning, people would complain about stuff. It's just worse at the moment because we're not winning things. Yeah. And it seems to make it that little bit worse. For me, I'm a great one for like watching the game. I'm like thinking about the game as it goes. I'm looking at the opportunities we've created, the chances we've had. Um, and I think it's, you know, a bit like what Tommy's saying, don't just jump on and say, he's pish. He, you know, sometimes players are going to have bad games. You know, like we sometimes have shit days at work. You know, we sometimes wake up in the morning, we're not feeling that great, we've got to hammer through the day. It's just, it's life. So, you know, when footballers are playing 50, 60 games a season, they're going to have off days. So let's not start being like abusive towards the players. Let's not start saying yeah. somebody's shit and all the rest of it. You know what? We drew it the weekend. It's disappointing. I'm as disappointed as anybody. But we move on. There's a lot of football coming. There's a lot more football to come over the next three, four, five, six, eight months. Let's just get back on the horse again. Thursday night, Willem Tway, let's go. You know, I don't see the point in taking anger out on individual players. I mean, I, I get like, some of the things that people say are fair, but then it's when it becomes personal or mm-hmm. when people start to say, you should just sell him. You should, you know, like, mate, we've just had like eight clean sheets. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's, social media is a very fine line between people having a, an opinion and then people saying stuff to get a reaction. You know, like just a, like a quick point aside from Martin Ash, I've noticed that, especially through the youth page, a lot of people will make like sort of trolling comments. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I tend to just block their kind of things. And I think it's something that people are looking for you to say something to them to cause a reaction. Yeah. And I just wouldn't do it. It's not worth it. You know, but as I say before, like sort of the relationship that you've got with the club is good. So don't say something that's going to cause something. Mm-hmm. So I, and I think sometimes people say something on Twitter to look for a reaction. And it's guys like, ah, you're better just leaving it. Because as soon as you give them the reaction, then it's bang, 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 yeah, bang. And that's it. That's a uh, good, good word to tell by, to be honest with you. Just a small, a small aside. <laughs> what we was saying, oh, I wonder what it would have been like if we'd social media back, back in the day. And my mind immediately went to me guys can maybe fill in some of the blanks but you remember that horrendous I think it was a week three games we had under Smith the first time where we beat in Europe Falkirk knocked us out the cup I do you know oh the, your phones would have been in your phones would have just melted in your hand you know what I mean what's going on here what's going on we're getting beat off Falkirk or that um was it was it St Johnston maybe came to Ibrooks and beat us under Le Guin Mm-hmm. Uh, when the wheels were, the wheels were coming off and all that. Ah, it's just. Well, that's the thing. Like, I, I, just a quick, I was going to say that. I mean, I remember. Like, so when I grew up, Celtic were always a team that played good football. 
what the LA Rangers were just winning. You know, Rangers were winning leagues, were winning cups. So it, obviously Martin O'Neill came in and his football was just direct. Mm-hmm. I, I remember speaking to guys that, you know, this isn't a good Celtic team, this isn't how we play football. But see, at the end of the season, the Celtic won something. Football like, don't care. And that's how it was. And that's how football's changed now in, in terms of, if we were to play shit this season and still won the league. Oh, aye, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter. But look, I want us to play football at a good level. And I think we do play good football. And I think we consistently try to play football the right way. And I accept that at times it's caused us to drop points or lose games. But I don't want us to become one of these teams that just start going back to front. It's it's not something I enjoy watching. It's not something that I would enjoy seeing a team play. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important that you stick to what we're good at and yeah. what we're good at playing football at a good level. You're right, William. So I, I agree with you. It's... I would love, you know, I love Rangers being a principles-based football team and the principles being pass it, move it, open up teams, be exciting. That says, I'm also a pragmatist by mm-hmm. nature. So if it's one of those things and the other one has to get buried in the woods, yeah. buried in a nice football because I want trophies. But yeah, you're absolutely right. We are a team that loves to play football and we love to watch that. You love to see wingers, you love to see people getting carved open. But when they're handing out the prizes... Right, gents. Right, gents. Right. I have to to step in here because for all the listeners and viewers, Tommy says to me before the podcast, I'm going to have to be sharp tonight because I'm working later on. So I don't want to seem like a bully, but let's move on to the Hibs game, shall we? Good hosting, Martin. Good hosting. Crack the whip. Crack the whip. Right. Well, obviously, result to each, right? Disappointing to drop points. Away from home at a difficult venue, you might say. You know, but I, I felt over the piece we were the better team. We should have won the game. And it's a hard one to criticise, apart from the result, with respects of the performance wasn't actually that bad. It was more individual errors that cost us. I look, I think in previous games, we'd maybe get away with a few. Like the Dundee United game, we get away with a few. Hibs just punished us. You know, the first goal is a kind of nothing ball. Barisic probably should win the header. Then he allows the guy to get the cross into the box. And then the guy slips in front of Hellander, I think it was, which kind of puts Hellander off. And then the guy gets the shot for the goal. But then I thought we showed a good reaction. You know, because we come straight back out, we were trying to have a goal. The goal just before halftime was really well worked. Mm-hmm. You know, Kent and Davis, good play wide. Kent's ball in. Fantastic touch for Alfredo. The mm. first touch is brilliant. And then the finish is... It's just what Alfredo does. Second half, we come out, we're looking sharp, we're moving the ball well. And second goal's brilliant as well. Like Arfield and Hagi's link up for the goal's brilliant. You know, the ball comes into Hagi, quick one, two, Arfield needs composure off the post and in. And then after that, with like two or three really good chances, like mm-hmm. Kent's one where he takes on the defender. If that ends up in the back of the net, it's over. I don't care what anybody says it. 3 1 Hibs are coming back. That game is basically over. But then we go and lose another goal. You know, like Golson's pass out is poor. But then the linesman doesn't see the offside, which it was offside. I mean, I'm not really too sure. I've heard, I saw kind of one or two people saying they thought it was close. It doesn't matter if it was close, it was offside. You know, that's the, that's the basic part of that. And then I think Big Hellander's flat footed when the ball comes in. Because Dodge 
shouldn't really be beating Hellander in that position, in my opinion. So that was disappointing. But then, like, Scotty's got that chance. Mm-hmm. Maybe just a wee tiny bit of composure to roll it past the goalkeeper would have been the difference. And that's that's the thing, like, you know, see if we come away with a 3-2 there, they would have been a really gave a toss that we'd lost their two poor goals because we'd won. Mm-hmm. And that's just the fine margin of football. And it's, you know, the manager will go away and he'll look at that and he'll know that there was mistakes made. And the thing is, for the previous eight games, because we've been keeping clean sheets, nobody thought we were making mistakes, but we were making mistakes. Mm-hmm. It's just that they've only been punished. Hibs punished us with the two goals. So it's maybe a good thing that I had a Willem Tway and I had a Mullerwell and then potentially like Galatasaray, that the manager can look at these things and you know what, guys, that can't happen again. Can't afford to lose the goals because we've all been punished. We'll be knocked out of Europe and we'll drop more points in the league. Just so quickly, sometimes you need that we can No, that, that is true. But just quickly, Tommy, on that first goal that we conceded, is there any way you can lay blame at McLaughlin for that, or was it just too close to him hit too quickly? Because it went right through his legs. No, I think you, I think you'd be being a bit, a bit childish to blame the goalkeeper there. Yeah, there's always a wee question when it goes through the keeper's legs, but you're talking what, it's, what six yards, but roughly. Boy hits it. I think he's slightly unsighted by Hellander as well, who's on the deck. He's the last person I'd blame for that. I mm-hmm. think for me, and everything Willie referenced there as well is you know absolutely spot on. For me, it's when, and the, the name of the boy who crosses it escapes me at the moment in time. But when the boy takes his first touch and he puts it, I think it was Boyle, a yard and Boyle about a yard and a half between him and Barisic, mm-hmm. and Barisic takes a step towards him and then goes back away. Yeah. Barisic should have kept going. Barisic should have closed it down in that corner there and then. By taking him, himself back, he actually goes back in a straight line as well. I've just done that on my chair. He goes back <laughs> in a straight line, which allows Boyle to get a wee extra half a yard to the side. Opens up the corridor, he whips it through, and then, yeah, it's just a, it is a well-taken goal, actually. You know, the boy hits it first time, keeps it low, gives you know, McLaughlin no real chance anyway. Um, yeah, McLaughlin would be the last person in that kind of um, uh, scenario that I'd be, I'd be looking to blame, in all honesty. I actually thought throughout the full game, Barris, which looked a wee bit suspect, especially defensively, you know. And there was a few times he, he, he got forward and he put in a couple of good balls, you know, a couple of good crosses, but I think that's the kind of poorest game I've seen for Barisic in a while. But, Tommy, is it maybe worse? Because, like Wally said there, you know, we have made mistakes defensively, but we haven't really been put under any pressure. You know, it's, it's, it's been the mistakes that haven't been punished, and then we come up against, I hasten to say, our first real test, because I genuinely feel that within that 90 minutes, we were by far the better team and should have probably scored maybe three or four goals. But is it a worry and maybe the overreactions came out of the fact that first real test where our teams came and attacked us and we've looked poor defensively? It's probably a, it's probably all of those things. So I'm going to quickly try and go through it. And just to your very first point, I thought they were targeting Barisic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The while they seem to be trying to get down that side as well. Uh, although Tav didn't cover himself in particular glory either, but I think both fullbacks had a pretty, pretty poor game. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I think again, I think Willie referenced that we'd made 
you know, some sloppy decisions and we were a wee bit lucky against, you know, other teams. I think I'm on record on the podcast previously a couple of weeks back of saying, you know, Aberdeen didn't have Cosgrove, Livingston mm-hmm. didn't have Dykes, the two main men. I thought this was unarguably the toughest domestic challenge of the season so far. And Culls completely wrapped around the mast and stapled on. We were better. We actually played pretty well. I didn't mm-hmm. think we were terrible. This goes back to the social media thing again, right? Yeah. It was maybe out of the bathwater. Actually, by and large, we created more than enough to win that game. We were sloppy. The problem is, and it's quite right for every Rangers fan to call this out, I was exactly the same myself, is the mistakes are the same mistakes we've seen. Yeah. By and large, you know, Goldson not looking when he flicks that ball round. Maybe we just need to be a wee bit braver on the challenge. Tav being a wee bit, you know, lacking defensively sometimes, although it's a unit. I get that. Hellander caught flat-footed, although that's probably maybe out with the Livingston last season, his, you know, uh, shakiest game. It just seems to be that when it, when we are really pushed, some of our decision-making at the back mm. and in the middle of the park goes a little bit awry, and we seem to allow ourselves to get unruffled. Mm-hmm. Or ruffled up, I should say, sorry, not unruffled, ruffled uh, in terms of we start to snatch at things at the back, we don't keep a cohesion, we allow teams to get in amongst us. And Hibs actually did a good job, you know, you know, fair play to them. And they took their two chances, they didn't create a hell of a lot more than that, in all honesty. You know, by and large, we did a good job and we did more than enough to win. So it's probably just the fact that it's the same story sometimes. And as much as I really like James Tavernier and I like uh, Barisic and I, I like Goldson. It's the same actors. Yeah, you know, that's because yeah. they're the same players playing all the time. You know what I mean? I get that, but you know it's unfortunate for them. The kind of final bit to that as well, and I think you know William referenced this too. Kenny sticks away number three, and we go three one up. Mm-hmm. Hibs, Hibs wouldn't have come back into that. I completely agree with that, and it shouldn't take away that the end result was really poor. But Rangers did a really good job of not starting amazingly well, although Alfie misses an absolute sitter with a header for the corner. Oh, no. They could yeah. have made it 1-0. Right? Doesn't even get a good connection on it. But we go behind at a tough venue. We get ourselves back in. Our reaction was fantastic. We come out in the second half and we were pillorying them. Right? We go ahead and then it's just that wee bit of self-inflicted nonsense because of, you know, Barisic... Goldson just needs to give Barisic back the ball, right, and then it's away. Goldson tries this wee flicking in the middle of the park without looking. Mm-hmm. It's just, I hate to use the word arrogance or complacency, but it's either that or he's just completely switched off, and then Goldson had a shocker of 15 minutes. Absolutely yeah. horrendous. It looked like they were going to sell a couple of more goals. But then again, we get back on the horse. You know, Arfield's chances, Kent, you know, everything. We could have won it. Um... It's just deeply frustrating that we've seen that narrative and that story before. And I hate that cliched kind of terminology, but if you don't cut them out, you don't pick up the points, you don't pick up the points, you don't win the prizes. Well, see, is it a worry, possibly, uh, William, that after Hibs scored that equaliser, maybe I'm not remembering, maybe a chance that we had, but after Hibs scored that equaliser, we looked like the Rangers for last season. Where we couldn't, the passing was off. Uh, we didn't create, I don't remember us creating a single chance after Hibs equalised. Is that a worry, possibly, that 
we done well, like you guys says, to come back for one 0 down, that's fine. In the first half, we we got that goal. <clears throat> excuse me, on the 45th, 46th minute to equalise. But as soon as Hibs scored that second goal, it was a case of we've seen this story before. I'm quite honest, at 2-1, I thought we, we were fine. I didn't mm-hmm. think that, yeah. you know, they were really hurting us all that much. The goal obviously sets you back. I mean, I think that's just normal, that it sets you back for a few minutes. But then we probably went on and created the next best kind of two or three chances in the game as well. You know, when Scotty's through the goalkeeper, that first save the goalkeeper makes is decent. The second one, he, he should put it away. Yet again, you go 3-2 up, you would feel confident in seeing it through. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's like you watch any game of football, it's all about certain moments within certain games. I think you said, we were talking before the pod started about even looking at the Chelsea game against Liverpool. Chelsea are playing well, controlling the game. Christensen makes a bad mistake and it costs his team the game. And this is what football is all about. It's about you know, sort of committing the least amount of mistakes that you can in one game. Mm-hmm. Because even the guys that really understand football, the guys at the top level, the you know the analytical stuff and the stat stuff. See, when you watch a game, there's probably a hundred mistakes in a game, but how many of them are crucial mistakes? Mm-hmm. And it's the crucial ones that get talked about because they're the ones that resulted in goals. But you know how many times in a game there's like a marker. You know, like get lost and somebody gets ahead of it, but it doesn't result in a goal, so nobody really talks about it. It's only the ones that end up in the back of the net that people talk about. But within that game, we created enough chances to win the game by a couple of goals. And if you cut out the individual mistakes in that game, we could have quite easily come away with a clean sheet. I know that sounds really stupid, right? But it's but when you cut out mistakes in games of football, it makes it so much easier. And that's why it's important that throughout 90 minutes at any game that you stay focused because that one laps to Goldson with the ball in the middle of the pitch results in a goal. As Tommy says, if he goes to Barisic, if he goes to Tav, if he even goes long, that doesn't turn into a goal. And it's that one decision within that one second. You know, and that's, I mean, that's just how massive football is these days. Just to add to that, William, sorry to interrupt, buddy, but and I, again, just agreeing with you, William, I think that's maybe the frustration with a lot of people. I'm going back to the social media thing, but everybody, you know, self-included, if you're cut open with a great piece of play or somebody, you know, t- takes a touch 35 yards out and bangs it into the top corner, you go, right, that's a, right, a raging, but you can understand that's good football. Our problem, as you quite rightly said as well, We've been the masters of our own downfall, I, I would argue, for both goals there. And you're saying, we, we've taken the points away from ourselves as opposed to Hibs taking the points away from ourselves. And unfortunately, that's a story we've seen a wee bit too often for people to say, it's just a bump in the road. What Rangers need to do now is, and they couldn't have asked for a tougher game, coming right up next. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Well, on although maybe the shackles will be off. Um, but I, I think that's just what really frustrates people. I've seen it before, the same people, it's the same outcome, which is another team scoring against us, and then the wheels come off a wee bit of that kind of um, swagger that we have. You know, we go a goal up or we get ourselves back in here. So we showed a bit of grit in a difficult venue, and then we just allowed ourselves to get dragged back down. I, I should probably say, since we've covered all our flaws there, horrendous refereeing. I'm just about to come on to that. So hold your horses. 
I was trying to do a quick version, Martin. Just about to come on here. No, no, no. We'll do it my way, right? <laughs> used to if I'd already chat tonight, right? But just before we come on to that, I want to ask you, Tommy, is there, is, would there be any fair way to criticise Gerard for not being able to change a game? Would that be fair criticism? The only reason I ask, and by changing a game, obviously I'm talking about his substitutions, more so than tactical, because you mentioned I think came on with five minutes to go. Um, I, I understand Hibs scored, I think it was the 75th or something, 76th minute or some, something like that. Is there any that. scope to fairly criticise Gerard for not being able to change a game? Um, I think it was the 71st minute that Deutsch, Deutsch scores the header, uh, if I remember correctly. But, yeah, it's a criticism that's followed um, Stephen Gerrard and his management team um, so throughout his tenure. I know they changed the formations of the team in-game. So, you know, yeah. like you said, you'll put the tactical one to one side. You go with what you've got, though. I mean, I'm always a wee bit wary of players coming on in the last couple of minutes unless you're romping it or something like that because it's really hard to get up to speed. You know, even at the non-elite level, any mm -hmm. of us have come on a game, you know, playing even fives or sevens or elevens. It does take you a minute or two in professional level. If that's five minutes, then, you know, it's, it's really hard. Do I think that it's sometimes be a bit baffling? Aye. Uh, the, the, answer's, the answer's yes. I think the wider question may be underneath the surface of that, that you know, we're not articulating, isn't so much that people get frustrated with the changes that he's making and the fact they don't seem to impact it. It's the fact that how come he's not picking the right people for the subs bench? Mm to be able to change that game. Well, I think he is right. I'm just playing devil's advocate. Mm. And then the wider question logically that comes from that is he's had, you know, off the top of my head, I can't remember, right, but he's had X amount of million and he's had a good few transfer windows. How come he's not got the squad to the place where it, it has what it needs to be able to, at the minimum, beat these wee diddy teams <laughs> regularly? I mean, to be fair, we do beat them regularly, right? But Yeah, we have to go on a proper run, though. I get what you mean. This is the thing. You know, you need that double-figure run, in my opinion. But I think that's really the, the questions behind the, the, the frustration. They say, well, and then people start to, you know, climb inside a wee bit and do their own analysis, which is, you know, fair enough, we're all fans. That's why we're all doing this, right? That's why, that's why we're here talking about it. Which is then, well, how come you've got um, Stuart or where's Jones or how come Barker was even in the team and... Then you start to cycle through all of that and you say, well, are we picking the best team? And that comes back to the management. Ultimately, like everything, you know, people will agree and they will disagree and they will have opinion X and conversation Y and all that good stuff. A manager, in particular a Rangers manager, will live and die by what they win and who they beat. <laughs> right now, as much as I, I really like him, Steven Gerrard's won nothing. And it's early days. But Celtic were to win their game in hand, they're two points clear. And we had a bit more of a position of power than that, and we've let it slip with a draw away at Hibs and a draw away at Livingston. Do I think it'll be a tight title race and Celtic will drop points, we'll drop points? Absolutely. Do I think we'll implode like we did last year? I really don't. I think we'll be there come the end looking for the prizes. That, that's it. We're going to see some more of these frustrations throughout the league campaign. That doesn't mean that we don't all feel the frustration. Mm -hmm. um, let's just remember that we're all one kind of homogenous Rangers group and we don't need to, uh, to cannibalise each other and, and fight on social media. Well, I, I think those are the questions that really are inside people's minds when it talks about not being able to change a game. 
Aye, and like Tommy was just about to mention there, Willie, and this might sound like sour grapes, but I really don't care. The refereeing performance on Sunday was nothing short of horrific. At least one, possibly two red cards, a possible penalty, and just mistakes all over the pitch. Yeah, well, I think it's it's almost becoming a lot of weekly debate talking about the officiating. I'm no, I, mean, I don't like to go on about referees because a bit like yourself, it sounds like it's sour grapes. But it's worrying when you're winning games like three and four nothing, and you're still complaining about the officiating. Mm-hmm. You know, the Dundee United game, which we won comfortably, which in that game the manager made a lot of decisions of bringing the right players off the bench at the right time, and that's just the nature of the game, right? But this week when you drop points, and like the officiating was of that standard again. It's worrying, you know, you would love to know what goes on in these meetings when, you know, they're sitting, like, sort of video analysing the games, they're sitting saying, you know, how did you miss that? Mm. You know, how is that a yellow? And then they'll explain, oh, but I've never seen it. It's like, well, you've got a linesman. Mm-hmm. Because it seems like now that the linesmen are not taking anything to do with the game now. They don't want to be involved. So when they see things, they're not even, like, raising their flag. You know, and it's basically, if the referee sees it, he sees it. If he doesn't, he doesn't. And the other officials don't really want to be involved in the game. Because there's no way that all four officials missed some of the incidents within that match. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think this is the problem. And obviously, like, so recently now in England, they've obviously changed the whole VAR thing where, you know, the referees are going off the pitch now and looking at incidents. And the reason it's never going to come in up here is because they're not willing to pay the money. But seeing till that comes in, referees are going to continue to be criticised because of the standard up here. Mm-hmm. See, even if a referee's having a shit game in England, VAR will get them out of the shit game. Yeah. Because, you know, if he gives a yellow, then when the ball goes out of play, there's a guy who's here going by with, that's a bad tackle, that's red. I mean, I think it was... I think it was a Brighton game at the weekend there. Aye, with a back kick. Sort of yeah. And see, to me, the sort of first time I looked at it, I didn't think anything of it. But see, when you see it, it's a shocker. Aye. Well, the referees just thought, all right, there's no a lot in that. It's free nothing. There's a yellow card. But then, well, the same with the Christensen one you were talking about as well, Willie. That was a yellow to begin with, wasn't it? Aye. And they upgraded it after looking at VAR. And that's the thing. It's like, it's a sort of, when the referees are having poor games in England, they can get out of it because VAR's protecting them. Mm-hmm. Up here, whatever like, decision a referee's making is the final call. Yep. So like, when he's missing something that's potentially a game-changer incident, there's nothing they can do about it. And then like, so our managers are threatened at the start of the season that if they come out and criticise a referee, they're going to get a touchline ban. So if Gerard comes out and goes, you know what, see for about the fifth time this season, the officiating's been fucking dreadful. You've just got a wee phone call with the SFA and it'll be, that's, that's a one-game man, will be up to the stand. And like, you don't want your manager sitting in the stand. No. Oh, exactly. No. Whereas there's a clamour for people to call it out and all that Aye. kind of stuff. So I mean, it's yeah. a very, very fine line. And like players, excuse me, yeah, like, yeah, players can't come out on social media and say nothing either because that results in a fine or a ban. Absolutely. Well, well, you're absolutely right. But but just on 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 the Hibs game on the refereeing yeah. decisions, I'll just go over a couple of them, right? Right. Firstly, obviously, the second goal for Hibs is offside, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's by a millimetre or a, or a yard is offside. Yeah. But yeah. the one I want to get your opinion on, and Tommy, I'll come to you first, right? I think the Porteous one where he does that with the arm. I think 
I can I can understand why that's a yellow, right? But the Hanlon one, I can't even remember. I think is it Morelos' elbows? The Hanlon one, he brings it up and then does that and elbows him in the face, right? So for me, that's a red. And the stamp on the back of Ryan Kent's ankle because that's an ankle breaker. So for me, that's at least two reds that the refs missed and the linesman's missed an offside goal. There's a couple of things there. And just before I get into them, just we were talking about referees, linesmen, the um, refereeing team. Right, so the lack of transparency and accountability and responsibility in Scottish football is you know, par for the course. We know, we know that. That doesn't mean we have to accept it. Um, only time I've ever seen a VAR-like uh, scenario right, in Scottish football is Rangers versus Kilmarnock. And the fourth official comes down from the stand to get a Rangers player sent off. Never seen the like of it before. Mm-hmm. Never see it again. The only time I've ever seen that was in that game. Incre- incredible, right? And that just seems to have been, yeah, but that was the fourth official doing his, doing his job. Well, how come it's, it's, it's never happened since? Surely the fourth officials see these things, right? So, you know, people, you know, by and large have forgotten that as well. But in terms of the Porteous one, yeah, okay, yeah, pr- probably a yellow. Handling one, it's a red, right? Yeah, actually look at him. He looks and the arm goes up. He knows exactly what he's doing, right? And he positions his body really well. It's cute, but it's but it's a red. The offside goal, well, offside is not a you know um an up for debate thing. It's the close thing doesn't matter, it's just offside, right? You're a little offside or you're not. Um the do you know what was really interesting? There was a moment on the Sky TV coverage whereby they, they, I think they got to the end, and Andy, yes, Andy yes. I was about to change his name into something else, but let's let's keep it. I'll say it, Andy Wanker. I'll say well, it. Well, there we go. Um, uh, yeah, definitely a uh, definitely a one hander. But he was kind of laughing away, saying, "Oh, you know, test the game and all that kind of stuff." So yeah, we got a lenient referee today. Look, look back at his kind of comments. That's exactly what he says. We got a lenient referee today. Like it was a good thing, mm-hmm. not what you want. We've said before, players will eventually get injured, right? Because referees are letting things away. The stamp on Ryan Jack down the back of the leg—that's potential Achilles injury there. Ryan right? Kent. Uh, sorry, Ryan Kent. My apologies. Uh, Ryan Kent. That's that's a, a yellow. There was numerous instances of the referee having a wee chat or doing the usual in Scotland, which is first offence. Mm-hmm. You know, it took. It took, in the, I think, in the space of three minutes, McGinn to do Kent twice because mm-hmm. he'd, he'd been turned and rolled. And it was, the first one was due a yellow as well, but it's the second one that gets it. This pervasive nature of, of the referees that, oh, I don't think I've seen your face before. And in this, in this game, having to have a talk to you. So you get a talking to, and then it's the next one's a yellow. It's, 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 not, it's not on, and that would go for Rangers players as well. Right? No, no, absolutely. But, but listen, Tommy, see at half time, Andy Walker was loving it. He was yeah. giving it all this, oh, you need to be in their faces, and they're, they're just trying to be aggressive. There's being aggressive, and then there's trying to injure players. And see if this kind of refereeing is allowed to continue. Next time, Ryan Kent's ankle's getting snapped. Somebody's, somebody's eyes getting seriously damaged for an elbow. So when that happens from the same types of challenges, I wonder what Andy Walker's opinion will be then. Well, again, just to, you know, as soon as you said somebody's eyes getting injured, you know, I'm sure somewhere Marco Negri sat up 
Yeah, um, really, really sharply. Stay on. Made sure Sergio Primi wasn't. Oh wasn't no, is up ten or whatever. But I, I might be taking it over the top. But my point well, is, when's point enough stands. enough for Andy Walker? You know, yeah, your your point stands, right? And let me be quite clear as well, because there's a lot of that. All oh, your sore losers and Portis's comments, the tab and all that, without understanding. So I sense Ryan Portis isn't the, uh, you know, too short a capacity crowd and all that type of stuff, right? And that you know, Hibs didn't win the game, right? But it tells you the psychology behind. Uh, your cup final, which is playing Rangers, right? Type of thing, and I, I get that comment, right? But I don't blame the, I don't blame these players. I don't, I don't blame your Hibs, your Aberdeen, your Dundee United, your uh, listen. These guys are out to earn a wage, and what they're really out to do is earn earn a wage, and hopefully earn a move to a bigger club where they can, you know, really earn some money and, and get a decent club to go to because Hibs aren't a decent club, Aberdeen aren't a decent club, you know, no. structurally, right? Um, they're always on the, this kind of third tier of the slope type type of thing. You know, they get the odd victory over Rangers and that kind of sets up, you know, they can tour on their own Hibs supporters, clubs or whatever, right, for the rest of their lives. But I don't blame these players. They're out there doing their job and they're trying to be as aggressive as they possibly can and see what they can get away with. What I blame at its heart is the nature of our refereeing teams mm-hmm. which say that's fine and without being... Again, I, I believe in competence, not conspiracy. But I do think there's a wee subconscious nature that, although we're in a Rangers crest, so you can be a wee bit harsher with them uh, in terms of Rangers get refereed to a slightly different standard by certain referees. Because mm-hmm. um, I'm not lumping them onto the one box. But, yeah, and it's going to end up in a serious injury. And it'll be a serious injury and somebody will get a yellow for it. I mean, back to last week, when Elvis gets booted, that's not even a foul. That's yeah. not even a yeah. film. That's the standard we're now at. And just to finish that off, it's the same referees that get brought back every week. As as Willie was saying there, if a referee's having a terrible game, and they're human beings, right? I get that. They're going to have bad days at the office, right? Christ, of course. If they're having a bad game, far we get them out. We don't have that. There's no accountability. There's no transparency. There's no responsibility. So the worst case scenario is if there's a big hoo-ha, they get moved down to the championship for one game. Yeah. And they're back in the top tier. There is, there's no out. It's just a case of the same names. And so, you know, it just comes up that unless something tangible breaks, you're looking at these same referees time and again. As I said, I think a couple of weeks back, there's a reason why Scottish referees, who were once actually, you know, got into the UEFA lists and all that, and the FIFA lists, don't particularly make any appearances in them anymore when it comes to European competition and national competitions. They are suboptimal. <laughs> well, listen, it'll be nice going forward to see Sky Sports pundit Andy Walker's comments on elbows to the faces, because apparently, according to him, they're absolutely fine. But but listen, Willie, just to end on, on the Hibs game, listen, two each draw away from home. Listen, in the grand scale of things, it's no the end of the world. But I think, as Tommy mentioned earlier, leaves a bit of a sour taste in the mouth because if Celtic win their game in hand, that's them back top of the league a couple of points clear after the kind of confidence start we made to this season. Yeah, look, I think it's only two points if that's what it's going to be. You know, we've got a lot of games coming up. They've got tough away games. We've got tough away games. You know, the longer that both teams play in Europe, you've got more midweek games and Sunday games. I agree with Tommy, there's going to be, I think there'll be more points dropped this season than possibly last season. Yeah. I think 
the big thing for us is obviously we just need to try and find ways of winning games once we come back to Europe. Because it is always tough coming back to Europe. I think it was noticeable. I saw a wee tiny bit of the Aberdeen game at the weekend as well. And also the effort they put in against Viking showed up against Mullerwell because Mullerwell came out in the first 20 minutes and absolutely annihilated them. And that's what Europe can do to you. Mm. So it's important that the squad is as fit as it can be. Like every member of the squad's fit and that you can utilise the squad. And that's something that's going to play its part over the season as well. Um, but for me, I guess I think it's important we get back on the horse, you know, we go out on Thursday night. The Fulham Tway game is a good game because you know they're not going to sit in and defend. You know, they're going to come toe-to-toe. And that's the sort of game that I think the manager quite enjoys, to be honest. I think he quite enjoys teams going toe-to-toe because he knows that our team can hurt teams as much as they can hurt us. I think Thursday night could be a really good game. I think you might see a few goals for each team, you know, it could be... Yeah. You know, it could be a really, really open game. I mean, I think they won 4 nothing at the weekend mm-hmm. at home. But yeah, again, I mean, I'd about to look at their like, sort of transfers in recent years. Like, they don't spend a lot of money. They seem to buy a lot of younger players from Germany and things like that, bring them in, you know, obviously upgrade them, sell them on, whereas we're trying to buy guys of a proven quality. So it'll be interesting to see how those two kind of mesh, you know, how that's going to work on the night. I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited for the game. If we come away from Willem to with the win, Mullerwell, I think, are away at Hapoel Bersheva. Is that right? Hapoel Bersheva. So that's, yeah. you know, that's a tough trip. You know what I mean? Like, it's a it's a reasonably long flight. You know, they're going to be a good team. You know, both teams are probably going to be a wee bit leggy on Sunday. So that'll be another interesting game. But yeah, I'm excited. Let's just get back on to the next game. You know, let's get back to winning ways. That's, that's, that's how I see it. Well, just very quickly, Tommy, then on the Willem Tway game. It's not a team I know an awful lot about. I haven't seen any of them at all. Um, I don't know like, I don't know if you've seen any of them, but what type of game are you expecting on Thursday and do you expect us to progress? No. Uh, I, well, I agree with, again, it seems like everything I've said today is, uh, is I agree with, I agree with William. He's uh, a very smart man. Exactly. I'm going to have to find something that I, I disagree with you uh, on, William. Um, but I, I do agree that I think it'll be a really good game. I think, uh, and I do think, you know, Stephen Gerrard likes these European games. I think the team like these European games. I think, you know, it's a, maybe a bit lazy analogy for me, but I think it'll be closer to the final the way game than it would have been to something like the Young Boys game. You know, I think it'll be that type of good football, good attacking teams. It'll be... I, who can, who can stick the most in the back of the net type of thing and, you know, all good for it. And we're quite lucky that it's not that far a jump in terms of travelling. You know, Holland's not that, that bad. I think uh, Willem had brought in a couple of players, you know, Brondil and, and Cohen and stuff like that over the over the transfer window, I think. But do I think we'll win? I do actually, but I think it'll be by the odd goal and it'll be, it'll be tough. It'll be a tough game, you know, make no mistakes. I think we've become... It, not complacent, but you know, recently we've put out some right good teams, mm-hmm. went toe to toe in Europe, got to the group stages, you know, two years running. You know, you rhyme off some of the teams via Real, Porto, um, Legia Warsaw, Ufa, well, no mugs, um, young boys, all, all that kind of stuff, right? Um, and we've more than held our own and beaten, you know, right good few of them. Uh, final been in there as well, obviously. So we've become used to the fact we can punch above our weight. This will be a tough, tough game. And it's in the balance. 
I think Rangers will shade it. But if I was being brutally honest, I wouldn't be surprised if you know Villain Tway put it out. You know, they're a really good side. Do you think, William, that Gerard will go with his strongest team, considering that listen, we drop points against Hibs, we've got Motherwell on the Sunday. So do you think he'll maybe go with a, a, a rotated team or do you think he'll put out his strongest? I think his strongest team plays on Thursday night. I guess I don't... You know, it all depends. I mean, like if Ruth is fit, then Ruth could come back in, obviously. That makes a change. Doesn't sound like a Rebo or Jack are going to be available, so that obviously kind of takes that away. I think the thing for me is, is he going to go 4-3-3 or is he going to go back to 4-2-3-1? I think if you're going to go toe-to-toe and you're going to go for the jugular... He's got to go 4 2 3 1. There's a lot of Dutch teams seem to play 4 2 3 1, and that's how they like to play. So it'll be interesting. My gut instinct is you'll probably have roughly the same team that played against Hibs. I think it'll be pretty close to what that was. Um, if Roof's back, then there's a way of tweaking that where you can still allow like, Haji in the team and Kent in the team. But I'm probably thinking Roof Disney play, so I think the team that started against Hibs will be pretty close to the team that plays against Willem Tway. Um I agree with Tommy, I think it's going to be a really good game. And I think at the end of the day, I don't think anybody's wanting to play us. You know, I know people are saying, oh, it's a tough draw for, for Rangers. It's a tough draw for Willem Tway. Mm. Well, I'm sure they probably didn't really want us. And, you know, if we're fortunate enough to get by this round, and whoever wins out a high duck split in Galatasaray, you know what? It's Ibrox. Bring it. You know, let's see you know, let's see if we can beat a, a very good Turkish team or a very good Croatian team. Yeah. That's how I see it. I think that Europe's great. I've loved the last two years. They've been phenomenal. The quality of the opposition, you know, the way that we dismantled the Danish champions home and away was phenomenal. You know, considering their team in Scotland last year got knocked out of a team, I think it finished second and a long way behind them. Showed you how, how well we played last year against Michelin. You know, the way that we played against Leisure Warsaw in Poland showed that we've got the character to go there and battle and scrap. And, you know, was, you know the last minute one at Ibrooks. You know, the way we played in the finals, we were atrocious in the first half. Yeah, yeah, we were. <laughs> you know, we came out for 20 minutes in the second half and blew them away. And then they scored a worldie. You know, the yeah. guy went by about nine people in a slalom run or something like that. And so, I don't fear Willem Tway. I think it'll be a good game. I think we're more than good enough to go toe-to-toe. I think the Dutch defenders will know enjoy playing against Morelos. That's the one thing I will say for a start. Haji's technical ability and Kent's technical ability will be good against like their full-backs. Um, I think I think the biggest battle is going to be our fullbacks. Yeah. It's important that the cover's there because the Dutch teams will just look to counter attack and they'll look to hit you with pace and power. So it's important that maybe before the match, the manager says, look, for all I love you guys attacking, it's important that, you know, don't get caught out too many times in this side of the pitch because it's important that David Storms. I do wonder, William, I do wonder if Balogun will come back into the team. That was the kind of one thing that ticked over my mind. His pace, yeah. potentially, yeah. might be something the manager looks at. Um, he is the only one defensively that I would change. I don't think it would be fair to young Nathan to throw him in there. No, I don't think, think Bassey's done enough to 
be a first choice at left back. So I think, you know, it sort of picks itself. But I agree, Tommy, I think that could be the change the manager's thinking about. The extra pace and Balogun's ability to bring the ball out for the back. That, that's what I was thinking, be able to break yeah, I think that's a possibility. But yeah, again, like the manager's got some decisions to make. You know, it would be ideal if Joe's fit, if Jack's fit, if obviously Kamal's fit. It gives them serious options. They can look at different shapes, different styles, etc. But I mean, see if that you know, loving that played against Hibs have to play, I would still feel confident. Right, well, well listen, I'm going to have to jump in here, gents. I'm going to have to jump in here, gents, for a prediction for the uh, William Tway, or however you pronounce William the game. Tway. So, so Tommy, yeah. your prediction? William Tway 1, Rangers 2. William? That's what I was going to say. I think both teams will definitely score. Right, yes, I'm, I I'm very, very conscious that Tommy does have to go back to his work. So I'm just going to come very quickly to the Motherwell game. Thomas, and listen, depending obviously on what happens on Thursday night, um, if we go into extra time, penalties or whatever, will there be a massive change from the William Tway or Twa or whatever fuck you say it? <laughs> will there be a massive change for the William game? So that Dutch mob, the mother uh, game. What you should be, you should just go with that Dutch mob, Martin. It's dead, dead simple. Uh, well, I think that's the whole point of having a decent squad and rotate it and all that. Ultimately, I still think we're in that place whereby, and see, I'm trying to give you a quick answer as well. <laughs> we're, we're still in that place whereby we can't make wholesale changes. We're not that strong, mm-hmm. you know, even domestically. So it'll be a strong team that goes out against Seville and Tway. I'm with William as well. I think we're all in the same place. There won't be terribly big changes, maybe tweaks. Um, it would be great to have guys like Rebo and all that fit. And then even if it goes to pens and all that, will there be wholesale changes from Motherwell? No, there absolutely won't. We, we just can't do that. It'll be a, a stand. I don't think you'll see many games where there's more than two or three changes mm-hmm. uh, type of thing. That that's that's pretty much a, enough to to be able to change without knocking out the rhythm of the team. But then, really, you ask yourself. I mean, go door to door on who started against Hibs, and then play it out to Villam Tway and play it out to Motherwell. Who would you replace? You know, mm-hmm. by and large, you know, there's not that many. Aribo would come in. Jack maybe. Depends on what your flavour is with uh, Kamara and all that kind of stuff. And then Roof for Morelos. Would you play Roof instead of Morelos? Do you put somebody in? Itten comes out maybe. Whatever. There's not that many permutations yeah. of yeah. highest level quality starting jersey within the Rangers squad at this moment in time. Well, well, that's the thing. Motherwell haven't exactly made the best of starts to the season. And if you take out all the permutations with the two teams being away from home in Europe, that might have an effect on the game. But if you actually look at Motherwell, they've only won one at home against St. Johnston. I know they've just came off a thump in Aberdeen 3-0 at Petordry, which was a fantastic um, result. But they've won two, drawn two, lost four. So this really is a game that we should be going to take control of and win quite comfortably. Yeah, look, they've been quite lucky that they've played at home against an Northern Irish team and then had an away draw against an Northern Irish team. So <laughs> they've not really travelled anywhere. You know, like going to Israel isn't the shortest of flights. I know they'll obviously have a direct flight or whatever. But, you know, I think like mentality is a big thing. You know, see if they were to go there and take an absolute hiding and then they've got to sit in a plane all the way back. They come back at a couple of hours you know, whatever it is, midnight, one, two in the morning, they probably get back in the Friday, light training session, 
a short training session this Saturday, then they're straight into the game. That's, I mean, both teams are going to be in the same boat, realistically. We've probably got a slightly shorter flight, but end of the day, if our game's an 8 o'clock kickoff, and by the time the game finishes, by the time the players get sorted out, get back to the airport, get back on the plane, get back to Glasgow, you know, you've pretty much got one day to focus on a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, both teams are, are basically in the same boat. That's why I was actually quite happy that Mullable went through. Because see if they did the whole week off and we had to come back with one day and then play against them, I genuinely think it would have been a much tougher game. But I think the fact that both teams are now away on the Thursday night, it, it, it's going to be a pretty even contest in terms of the squad, who's available, etc. if there's any injuries. It might well be an absolutely shit game, to be honest. It's just a battle. Yeah, well, I was just about to say that, William. Sorry, sorry to interrupt there, buddy. Um, I think you might have just been about to touch on it. So, yeah, double apologies, which is just what we were discussing earlier. Smotherwell at Fur Park, you can bet your bottom dollar there will be industrial challenges. And oh, industrial yeah. is a nice word for saying there'll be terrible, shocking challenges. It'll be interesting to see how the refereeing team perform. Yeah. Because you know what they're going to do. They, Motherwell don't change. No, they don't. Um, and I think Hasty can't play against us either um, because obviously he's on loan. But uh, we, we know what we're going to get. It's up to us. Well, it's up to us to beat them, but it's also up to the refereeing performance to be of a standard for elite football. Industrial challenges, Ravens, Craig, I like it. That's good. Right, listen, lads, we'll finish on um, the Fantasy Football Scotland, but just before I come to it, I can get your predictions for the Motherwell game. Willie Urban. And I know there's a lot of permutations that go with Europe and availability of players. Yeah, well, I think that's a tough thing. Like, you don't really know you're guessing ahead of the game. You know... Isn't every prediction, I guess? Go to the game, I'll go for... Two off in Rangers. Two off in Rangers. Okay, Thomas. Motherwell one, Rangers three. Motherwell one, Rangers three. There we go. Okay, though, gents. Right. Well, listen. Um, we've ran well over time for, for the amount of time that Thomas was available to give us tonight. But like herding cats, you are. <laughs> but let's finish on the fantasy football Scotland. And I, I I'm actually feared to ask you, Thomas, where you're. Oh God. Um. Shortest answer of the night, I am sitting... Well, do you know what? I'm sitting fifth. Yeah, but where, are, where are you in the main <laughs> league? All right, I was, trying, I was trying to big myself up there for a second. <laughs> I am sitting... Uh, apologies, I'm on the wrong screen. Oh, 1,049. Not bad, not bad. Wally Irwin? I think I'm around about the kind of 850-ish number. But then that's because I refuse to take Joe Rebo out of the team. Oh, I've still got him in my team as well. I just uh, he'll, he'll come good. Yeah, he'll come good. <laughs> uh, Joe will be back. Joe will be back. I'm sitting at 284. I already show off. All right. <laughs> yeah. That's- that's where, yeah, that's where we cut the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's it, done. And we're, we're, we're top three. In third place, we've got John McKellar. In second place, we've got Kenny Gardner, who I think actually was a winner for one of our giveaways. I don't know if it was a cast or jacket or not. But And still in first place, we've got Murdo McDonald, who I don't think will be caught on 488 points. So listen, um, Thomas McIntyre, William Irwin, it has been an absolute pleasure. 
You can, of course, catch the podcast on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash this is ibrooks on the website at this is ibrooks.co.uk and on a multitude of podcast platforms, Thomas McIntyre. Yes. <laughs> Do you want any more than that? Yes, it's all on it's on the it's on the Stitchatron, it's on the on the i on the iMusic. It's uh, it's on the the A to B cast. It's on the the pod. internet. It's on it's on the Pod Finder. It's I'm just making up all these names: A cast, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, all that kind of good stuff. Make sure where you can please leave us a comment and a review. And of course, if you're watching on YouTube, if you can please subscribe, that would help us on our march to 1k but william Irwin, thomas mcintyre absolutely fantastic as always thank you to everybody listening and watching and we shall speak to you next week see you later